everyone. Welcome to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Saturday, the 8th of January, 2011. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody out there for sticking with me. I know I haven't put a show out in quite a while, but uh, I was planning on doing it right before the holidays, but that kind time kind of got away from me, you know, with the holidays coming up and everything, and then the kids are out of school and all that kind of jazz, so time sort of gets away from me. It's a super busy time, and uh, but luckily I've had a little bit of time now to sort of sit down for a little bit and to talk about some things. Um, before I do that, let's go ahead and get some of our contact info out of the way. If you want to contact me, there's a couple of different ways to do that. You can uh, send me an email at firearmscafe at gmail.com, or you can uh, send in a voicemail at my voicemail number that I've got, which is area code 206-339-3266. Also over at Gun Rights Radio uh, Forums. Uh, under the Firearms Cafe section, you can leave me a message over there on uh, any of the shows. What I've done over there under my section is I have all the episodes, so if uh, if you wanted to post even something on a past episode, please feel free to do so. Uh, or if you want to have something that you want to contribute for the show, uh, go ahead and send me an email with an MP3 attached, or go ahead and call up the uh, the voicemail. Other than that, let's go ahead and dispense with the uh, the contact stuff. You know, recently I got an email from uh, the NRA ILA section. And before we talk about it, let's go ahead and talk about the NRA a little bit. I think you should be a member if you're not. Uh, the more members that the NRA has, the more uh, pressure we can put on politicians uh, and not only the the uh, the pro-gun ones because sometimes the pro-gun ones don't want to always uh, or the ones that say they're pro-gun uh, sometimes they don't see things eye to eye with the NRA or uh, with us in the gun culture but especially for the ones that uh, are maybe um, on the fence or, or leaning toward the anti side if uh, the lobby can go in there and really put a lot of pressure on them, sometimes maybe we can uh, have things go our way a little bit more. The NRA does a lot of stuff that I'm not too happy with. Uh, I think it was Jefferson that says, you know, that uh, there needs to be a revolution every 20 years or so. And I think maybe that's that's true with some of the big organizations as well. There probably needs to be a little bit of a shake-up every so often. Uh, and I believe, and I, maybe I'm wrong on the date, but I, I thought it was sometime in the 70s that there was kind of a big shakeup in the NRA, and I don't know if maybe that's what the NRA needs now is maybe kind of a shakeup, or they need a change in leadership. Um, uh, they're doing a lot of things that a lot of people aren't too happy with. But having said all that stuff, I'm I'm a life member. I'll always will be one uh, because I do think that they they do make a lot of strides for us in the gun culture. Uh, there's, of course, also their Second Amendment Foundation. They do a lot of litigation. And uh, a lot of the things that they bring uh, in, in the form of lawsuits and litigation has changed the way that, that things are going to be done 
over the next 20, 30 years. Uh, the victories that we've been able to get through uh, through those lawsuits are going to have uh, real fundamental changes for us. They're going to set um, the stage. They're they're from a legal standpoint. They've they've uh, set precedent, and uh, it makes it very difficult for people that want to ban guns or restrict our rights to do so, uh, because there's been things that have gone to the Supreme Court that have uh, that have been uh, ruled on. And it's, it's, it's rare that once it makes it to that level that, that those things will really be overturned. Now, we have gotten some couple of bad breaks, gotten a couple of bad breaks with who we've got up there now, uh, the last couple with uh, Sotomayor and, uh, what's her name, Kagan. <laughs> those two are never going to be friends of, uh, of gun owners and uh, friends of the Constitution, unfortunately. But anyway, getting back to that email that I got from the uh, NRA ILA, they were talking about a lot of the great strides that had been made uh, over the over the year in uh, in 2010, and they went over several different things. Some of the Supreme Court things that we got this year with Chicago uh, decisions, and uh, some of the things where certain gun bans had been overturned. But one thing that struck me as quite odd, and I, I went back and I read it a couple of times to make sure that I just wasn't missing it, was they failed to mention anything about constitutional carry uh, passing in Arizona. And when we talk about things that are going to have far-reaching effects or things that will, in the long term, help other states, this is one of the things. But of course, they didn't, they didn't even mention it, uh, which I found to be a little disingenuous uh, and, and granted you could say that they're just going to talk about things that are happening uh, that they were involved with you know that, that but uh, you know not to mention that at all um, considering that we're only one of three states now that have uh, constitutional carry and for those of you guys maybe that are listening for the first time that don't know what constitutional carry or uh, sometimes been dis- d- termed discreet carry. Basically, it means that as long as you're uh, legal to own a firearm, that here in Arizona, uh, you can carry a, a firearm concealed. Now, there are still places where you can't uh, take that in concealed, and there are still places where if you wanted to take a firearm concealed, you would have to have a permit. Uh, some of those, I think, are bars and restaurants that serve alcohol. Uh, but anyway, I found it I found it quite odd that they would not mention that. Um, having said all that, though, I, I do think it's important to join the NRA and to be a member and to increase our numbers and uh, thereby increase the influence that we have over uh, politicians. Now, kind of along those lines of, of what are some good things that have happened here in Arizona, again, like I said, we did get constitutional carry, and uh, several other good things have happened. Uh, now, kind of before I, I get off the constitutional carry uh, subject, I think that Utah will probably get it this year, uh, and I would imagine that probably within the next five to ten years, we'll see probably five to ten more states uh, get that. I don't know if it'll be a huge wave, 
but maybe again within 10 years maybe there'll be uh, 13 or 14 states that have adopted it you know when you look at it again it's this you see the same old arguments from the people that are against it and in something like this when you when you start talking about carrying a carrying a firearm concealed without a permit or basically without a permission slip you got people that are that are pro gun that are going to say boy I don't know I just I don't think that's such a good idea and what that really stems from is is that we're so regulated on everything uh, you can't drive down the street without being under regulations. You can't live in your house without being regulated. You, can, you know, there's hardly anything that we can do in the United States where we're not regulated and subjected. And so when you when you say to somebody, you're going to get some some real liberty here, and you're going to have some real responsibility. It kind of takes them aback. It kind of takes them out of their comfort zone a little bit. And uh, I, I guess I really can't blame maybe some people, even the ones that are pro-gun that says, boy, I, I think it's a good idea to have the permits. But they're just not necessary. I mean, we have the we have the data now from you know Alaska and Vermont, and, and now we're going to get the data here uh, that the law-abiding person who's going to carry concealed uh, isn't going to cause trouble. They're doing it for self-defense. They're not going to, they're not going to go on the offensive with these things. Now, speaking of that, we're still going to have, there's still going to be crime. There's still going to be people that are going to misuse firearms. There's still going to be people who are going to use them for harm towards others and to engage in, in unlawful and criminal activity uh, to engage in, unethical and immoral activities and we need to understand that that type of behavior is always going to be with us that type of behavior was with us before there were firearms uh, and it's unfortunate it's a thing that's going to stick with us for a while now having said that again let's talk about some of the things that uh that have happened or some of the progress that we've made that allow us to protect ourselves uh, from people like that. And I guess I shouldn't say that it allows us. I mean, we can always protect ourselves, uh, but we're not going to face consequences for doing that, I guess I should say. Uh, again, here in Arizona, we have some really good organizations. We have some good people in office. Uh, one of our organizations is Arizona Citizens Defense League. It's a member. Uh, it's a uh, organization that I'm a member of, and these guys really work hard with our uh, local government here. Uh, they really work hard with the legislator, legislature, excuse me, and they help get a lot of things passed and a lot of things through that aid us in protecting ourselves, but also protect us. Uh, if we ever are involved in a, in a self-defense situation uh, and they, they're doing a lot of things that help expand and uh, protect our liberties that we have now. So again, probably the biggest thing is constitutional carry. Um, we also had, um, there was a, a, a clarification or, or maybe a restoration of, um, of being innocent until proven guilty in self-defense situations. 
time there's been times in the past in Arizona where if you were in that situation you basically had to prove that you weren't that you weren't guilty um, basically you had to prove that your actions were what a reasonable person would do um, our castle doctrine was strengthened for those of you guys that don't know basically what the castle doctrine states is that if you're at a place where you have a legal right to be you don't have a duty to retreat uh, so that if you're in your home, if you're in your car, if you're walking down the street and you have the legal right to be there, if someone comes up and attacks you, it is not your duty to, to run from that situation. You can defend yourself uh, if you need to. Um, we also had a, de um, what are they called? a dis defensive display, which I've talked about before. Uh, and in a nutshell, basically, that says that uh, well, let's let's do a little bit of past history. I guess all history is in the past, though, isn't it? Um, if if someone were to come up and threaten you, let's say if someone came up to you and just well, let's say they didn't even say a threat, but it was implied, and they said, "Hey, you're you're pumping gas at a, a gas station." A guy comes up to you. Two guys come up to you and uh, say, "Hey, give me your wallet." Now they haven't threatened you. They don't say anything else other than that. Um, and you were in the past then to say, I'm armed, or if you, if you drew a weapon out of your pocket and showed it to them, in theory, at that point, you could be prosecuted for what they used to call threats and intimidation. Uh, the, the way that the defensive display is set up and what it's intended to do is that if you were in that situation and you did clear your firearm, or even if you just told the person and made a move towards your gun, you said, I'm armed, I will defend myself, leave me alone, then you're going to be justified. That's a justifiable thing. Um, a lot of states have what they call brandishing laws. So let's say, again, you're in that situation. You brought the firearm out, and that ended the situation. The people ran off. Uh, in theory... The, by the way that the old law could be interpreted, you would then be guilty of brandishing uh, because you should not have, and, and the logic behind that would be because you should not have drawn the weapon unless you had no other choice to fire. That was the only time that you could bring it out. So in effect, you would be penalized for not shooting somebody. Um, in effect, in the, the way that the old law was set up, it would be better for you as the person who was defending themselves to shoot that person, uh, and, and what defensive display does is, I, and I this again, this is kind of my interpretation, and and my um, feeling on what it kind of does is it it just it allows you to de-escalate the situation. It allows you to end a situation without having to shoot somebody. Without uh, you know, we, we see tons of stories all the time where. Once a firearm is introduced into the picture, and this is, you know, again from the from the law-abiding citizen's perspective, once that firearm is produced and displayed, a lot of times that ends it. The person runs away, they back off, end of story. Uh, nobody gets hurt, everybody goes home, that type of thing. Uh, so that's why I think um, defensive display is, is good for us. There, I remember when this thing first started kind of coming through when we had Napolitano, there were a lot of people who were against it. Um, but I, I, again, I do think it's a good thing.
some of our preemption laws have been uh, have been strengthened. Uh, we've also uh, had had certain things signed in that says that the oh it, it prohibits basically the state you know if we want to use kind of like the state in quotes from confiscating um, what's the verbiage that they use confiscating lawfully held firearms in a state of emergency basically it means that if there's a state of emergency that the government can't come in and disarm the public and uh, you know we, we we've seen a lot of that stuff come down the pipe since Katrina and uh, you know I tell you you a lot of people always kind of wonder what things are going to be like when the chips are down and I know everybody kind of goes back and uses Katrina as an example, but it's <laughs> you saw what happened. You know, it, it, it doesn't take much smarts to understand uh, that when when chips are down, uh, a lot of times when uh, either the government or you want to call it law enforcement agencies or whatever, when their backs are against the wall and they want to be seen as doing something. They're not going to go out and disarm the criminals that are entrenched. They're going to go, you know, from door to door and take stuff away from uh, basically the people that need them the most. But anyway, that's kind of a, getting on a subject for another day. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, um, there was a what they sometimes we'll call a parking lot law, which basically says that uh, let's say your employer says you can't have a firearm in on my property in this parking lot. Um, and that was kind of uh, not overturned, but an employer can't prohibit you from having a firearm in your vehicle. They can they can keep you from bringing one into their property uh, into the into the work environment, uh, but they can't do it. And the reason behind that, or the logic behind that, was well, you have to still drive to and from work, and you're if you wanted to use a firearm for protection then you don't have that you don't have that ability if you can't leave it in the car uh let's see what else was there uh, there was some stuff doing dealing with weapon storage uh, there's still a lot of places in arizona where you can't take your firearm with you so places uh, certain events certain uh let's say if you're going down for jury duty uh, when you go into that building they have to have storage for you uh, for your firearm um, so they, they strengthen some of those laws and get people to comply with them. Um, also there was, I guess, maybe, um, some stuff where when you would turn your thing in, I don't know if you had to sign in something or sign some paper saying who you were so that when you left the building, you could get your firearm back. And I guess some of those places were keeping those uh, and keeping record of them. And so what they, they did is they said that you can't, you know, those have, you can't keep records on people that do that. Uh, it basically becomes an invasion of privacy. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, there was an, uh, there was a reduction in what you need to renew your, your CCW permit out here in Arizona. And then there was also an expansion of different programs outside of what what the old ones were that would qualify you um, for your permit if you wanted to get one. Now, again, I've said that I will always have a permit uh, un until basically all the places, all the states, 
would say, ah, you just don't need them. You know, they didn't until every place is constitutional carry. Uh, it's nice when you go to a different state that, uh, and they honor your permit. Um, and, and like I said, here in Arizona, there are certain places where you still need a permit to go in with your firearm. Uh, so, uh, let's see. Bop, bop, bop. Um, oh, like I was going to say, Arizona, though, is, I, I think there's something like 30 or 31 states that recognize our permit. So we have a lot of reciprocity. Uh, so when we go up to, if we go up to Montana or to Oklahoma or to Texas or to Utah, or, you know, there's tons of places that where I'd be interested in going that are going to recognize my permit. And so I can take my, my firearm with me and I can protect myself and my family. Um, let's see. I think there was also a... And I could be wrong on this, but I think there was a reduction in the penalty for not carrying your permit with you. And I, I think that would have to do again if you were if maybe found to be in a place where it was one of those places where you had to have that permit. Um, let's say like maybe a restaurant or bar that serves alcohol. Uh, and if you didn't have it with you, I, it may be just like a fine or something like that. But it wouldn't be something to where you could you would lose your ability to. Uh, to carry concealed but again i'm not a hundred percent sure on that one and i may i may be mistaken about that one um let's see what else is there um i think that's kind of about it i mean there, there's there's some other stuff but uh you know we've, we've made a lot of great strides and i'm gonna kind of pimp the uh arizona citizens defense league and I'd say if you can't, even if you're, you're from a different state, uh, if you could throw them a couple of bucks uh, or even join, uh, become a member. And some people would say, well, you know, I live in, I live in Utah or I live in uh, Colorado or, you know, I live in Massachusetts or Maryland. Why should I join that? You know, what does it matter what goes on in your state? And the, and the reason that you, that it, could be a good idea or it wouldn't be let's say this way it wouldn't be necessarily a waste of your money would be that you know the old saying used to go what happens in california you know so goes eventually it spreads out and goes through the rest of the country but i think what we're seeing too is things like well what's happening in arizona what's going to happen in texas or utah when those things become successful those are going to radiate out to the rest of the country as well. And and uh, again, so that we see that we've got Arizona, we've got uh, Vermont, and we've got Alaska. So we've got three states where, as long as you're a law-abiding citizen, you can carry. Don't worry about it. And we're going to see more states will come to that. Like, And I'm, I'm almost 100. I, I'd, I'd be willing to bet a lot that this year that Utah will 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 go the same route. Um, I don't know if Texas will for a while. Uh, maybe New Mexico. Um, let's see, New Mexico. Uh, what's her name? Susana Martinez, I believe, is the uh, the new governor there. And so, if if there was ever a chance that uh, something like that could pass over there, uh, hopefully with her in office, we'll see how she does. Uh, 
And you know, speaking of politics, there's there's so the economy is such in such bad straits right now that we're seeing a lot of of uh, politicians and governors uh, who normally maybe would push more of an anti-gun agenda aren't going to do it because it's number one it's going to be unpopular but number two they just they, they don't have the time they can't do it it's, it's fallen down on their list of things to do near to the bottom uh, and i think we see that you know with our with, even with our current president and our current regime now that doesn't mean that things aren't going to happen and that things aren't going to be tried to push through and maybe that things aren't going to come through the back door maybe through uh, policy through bureaucrats uh, you know we've seen attacks on uh, you know with reloading supplies with the brass we've seen um, several other things of that nature we're seeing that the uh, uh, BATFE is is wanting to expand their power but of course there's no um, there's no thought to reining them in or abolishing them uh, abolishing them we see that the current the guy who's going to be the head of that is a, a vehement anti-gunner. So there are still plenty of battles out there for us to fight. And uh, just because we make a few steps and a few strides forward doesn't mean that we we don't have to keep pushing forward. And here in Arizona, a lot of people would say, "Man, you've got it so good." What more can you do? You don't even have to have a permit to carry concealed. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. You still have private sales. But we still need to move forward. There's still a long way for us to go. One of the bills that uh, is going to be pushed for this year, I think, is going to be maybe for uh, at the maybe at the university level. That if you have a permit that you'll be able to go onto a campus or a school or or things like that and i think maybe within the next probably three to four years we'll get we'll get that um and i think utah maybe already has it if i'm wrong let me know but i think in utah you can carry on universities um I, and i'm not sure of all the kind of the subtleties or vagaries however you want to look at it of those laws what you can and can't do Let's go on a little bit of a shift here and let's talk about, oh, for lack of a better term or phrase, maybe the culture war as, a, as pertains to the Second Amendment, self-defense, things like that. I was flipping through the channels the other day and I came across a uh, commercial for Insight. And I thought, and it wasn't on, uh, you know, Sportsman or Versus or the Outdoor Channel. It wasn't on a network where... They normally have something to do uh, with guns. Uh, all those channels have programs that are geared uh, towards self-defense, not just towards hunting or you know shooting sports, that type of thing. So then Insight is usually, a lot of their products are weapon-mounted lights. And so I thought, well, this is kind of odd because I knew I wasn't on one of those three networks. I was actually, uh, when I looked at the channel, it was Spike. And so I thought, well what show is coming on here and uh the the show that was coming up was a show called uh conceal and carry school 
And I thought, wow, this is this is something that's different. This is something that I did not expect to see on a uh, what you would call and again we're going to use this term loosely but what you would call maybe a mainstream network a network uh, you know like spike that's going to have a lot of viewership and granted it still is a uh, it's a cable network and it is a uh, sort of a niche network i guess you could say for lack of a better word uh, but when i saw that i thought we're really we're really making progress because i i never expected to see that kind of show outside of a very specialized network, uh, meaning the things like Outdoor Channel, Sportsman versus things like that. Uh, so I think we are making progress. Uh, I liked the show. Uh, they were talking about um, needing to know kind of your, your local gun laws. They talked, they gave uh, statistics about how uh, using Washington, D.C. as an example of, of the murder rate um, and, and comparing that to how we, they have the, some of the most restrictive gun, gun laws and, and uh, prohibitions there. Um, and I thought it was a really good show. And I thought, well, this is something that is going to actually reach out and probably even... Even on that network, probably three, maybe four years ago, you would not have seen that type of program. So I'm hoping that this is a good sign that as time goes on and as our side is starting to win kind of the culture war and as more people are becoming uh, more aware of uh, the fact that it is not the gun that causes the problem, it's the people that cause the problem. And uh, that brings me up to another another thing here. Uh, I originally started as as this, as you heard in the intro. I started this podcast on a Saturday. Uh, today is actually Sunday. It's the ninth of January, and uh, I was I was going to drop in a song uh, like I do on this on this show a lot, and. When I pulled up my web browser, one of the top stories was about the shooting that happened in Tucson where I think it's something like six people were killed, several more were injured, uh, and one of the injured, one of the persons who was injured happened to be a uh, U.S. representative uh, and she was actually shot in the head uh, and, and fortunately... For her, it looks like she's going to survive. Now, the last thing that I read was that she was in critical condition. Uh, but this thing brings up a lot of the a lot of kind of nonsensical debates, and it brings up a lot of of uh, comments and feelings that just aren't very well thought out. Uh, you have people looking to blame others or looking to blame objects for a tragedy that was the fault and the responsibility of the individual or individuals because they, they think there may be a second person involved, but of those people that took those actions. And 
most of you guys will know the story. Uh, basically, there was a uh, kind of a meet and greet, kind of like a little political thing outside of a Safeway, which is a grocery store. And uh, the shooter came up and uh, and uh, went on his killing spree. And they have him in custody. And I hope this guy gets the death penalty. I hope they execute him. I'm still kind of... These things always kind of knock me for a loop. Even though I've had a little bit of time to digest it, it's still kind of hard to talk about. Uh, especially since uh, one of the victims was a child, a nine-year-old little girl. And uh, as some of you guys know, I have a daughter. So this type of thing is, it's hard for me to, for me to talk about. But, um, again, we're going to see a lot of people, like I said before, that are going to want to blame everything and everyone except the person who's responsible. I don't know how we change that in this country. But uh, I want to read a little bit from uh, an article from the Christian Science Monitor is uh, one of the things that I that I pulled up. And uh, kind of going along that line of, of people wanting to put blame elsewhere or put blame where it doesn't doesn't belong and one of the things is they say that well i'm just going to read read part of this uh it, it starts off uh oh and the uh, the representative who was who was shot uh was gabrielle giffords uh, if you guys don't know um there was also a federal judge, I think, that was shot and killed was one of the, the ones that didn't make it. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to give really the names of, of anybody else. Um, just sort of out of respect for them. Uh, but one thing that really kind of upset me uh, was a quote from the Pima County Sheriff a guy named Clarence Dupnick, and um, I'm gonna. What I'll do is I'll go ahead and read a couple paragraphs here from uh, uh, from the Christian Science Monitor uh, article. It says, "Quote: It is not clear, though, whether the shooter targeted Giffords because of her vote on any specific issue or even for her political views." Arizona has been through wrenching debates lately over several issues, among them state laws to crack down on illegal immigration, ending organ transplants as a medical benefit, and how to curtail services amid a large budget deficit. The three-term congresswoman barely defeated a Tea Party-backed candidate in November, in which the health care law was a major point of contention. Regardless, the shooting set off an intense debate on talk shows and the blogosphere over the level of vitriol in public discourse, and whether those who engage in rhetorical flame-throwing bear any responsibility for inciting violence in others, especially those deemed to be mentally unstable. 
Pima County Sheriff Clarence Dupnick suggested Saturday in the aftermath of the shooting that those exercising their rights to free speech would do well to consider the effects of their words. When you look at unbalanced people, how they respond to the vitriol that comes out of certain mouths about tearing down the government, the anger, the hatred, the bigotry that goes on in this country is getting to be outrageous, said Sheriff Dupnick. And unfortunately, Arizona, I think, has become the sort of the capital. We have become the mecca for prejudice, prejudice and bigotry. End quote. And that's all I'm going to kind of read out of that article. Now, what's what's being reported, and, and who knows how, how true this is, is this, this guy was uh, pretty unstable, um, and that he had a lot of, it looks like, maybe left-leaning, far-left-leaning philosophies, things like that. But regardless of why he did that, um, why he did what he did, there's an old expression that says you can't legislate crazy. Uh, and there are going to be people that are going to call for stricter gun laws, for more regulations. But the fact of the matter is, you just can't legislate crazy. You can't, passing laws doesn't do anything to stop people from acting. When we have a law, it's not necessarily to stop anybody from doing anything. All it is is really for is so that we as a society can then punish that person if they do that act. Uh, they are not in any way a, uh, a deterrent against anybody that's going to do any of these things. And remember that in, in days to come, when people are calling for stricter this and stricter that, this guy broke tons of laws. Um, I, he probably was number one was, and I'm not again, I'm not clear on this, but he probably would would fall into the category of someone who would be a prohibited possessor. Um, he, you know, we have laws against firing a discharging a firearm in city limits. He did that. We have laws against shooting at people. He did that. We have laws against killing people. And he did that. Uh, so more laws are not going to be the answer to this. Uh, it's a tragedy. It's something that is, like I said, it's, it's hard to talk about. It's hard to discuss sometimes, and especially when you know, when kids are the victims. But having new laws isn't gonna isn't gonna do anything. It's just gonna be a, a feel good thing that that has no teeth. Uh, but getting back to this, the statement that this sheriff Dupnick made. Uh, you know, again, we see he this guy wants to blame everybody else. It's somebody else's fault. Uh, I'm sure this guy is probably a person that thinks that only the police should be armed. And maybe I'm wrong about that, but a, a person who says, who believes in personal responsibility and, and, uh, and liberty for the individual doesn't make this kind of statements. 
Uh, to say that we've become the mecca for prejudice and bigotry? Uh, this guy sounds just like some kind of a knee-jerk liberal. And it's it's people like that who who want to blame everybody else, who, who don't want uh, anybody to have any personal responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. Those are the people that want to take away everything that you have. Those are the people that want us regulated into slavery. You know, at best, this guy is just not very smart and ill thought out. At worst, he's using a tragedy to push a certain political agenda. So, uh, shame on you, Dupec. All right, well, I think I'm going to draw the show to a close. I know it's maybe kind of going out on a little bit of a downside, but uh, I did want to talk a little bit about that. Um, so I think we'll draw the uh, show to a close. Uh, stay safe out there, guys. I'll talk to you next time.